friend. Talk radio. Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Mamma mia. Mamma mia. Struck by lightning sounds pretty frightening, but you know the chances are so small. Stuck by beasting, nothing but a bee thing. Better chance you're gonna buy it at the mall. But it's a 23 or 4 to 1 that you can fall in love by the end of this song. So get up, get up, tell the bookie put a bet I'm not a damn thing will go wrong. The odds are that we will probably be alright. Odds are we gonna be alright. Odds are we gonna be alright tonight. For Wednesday, June 10th, 2020, it's the Laced Up. Not quite as quarantined hockey podcast, uh, and I am still James Cole. Uh, I'm Brutes Battaglia from the north side. I uh, I uh, went to a social gathering the other night for the first time in three months, so that was cool. Are you fevery? No, I'm good. I, I wasn't near anyone, but other people were there. I left my house is what I'm trying to say. Wow. Is the world still how you left it? <laughs> well, No. No, a lot seems to have changed, to be honest with you. I think my favorite thing is, like, going to parts of town that I haven't been to in, like, three or four months and seeing, like, new buildings. That's like, how did that get there? Oh, right, because people were still working this whole time. It's like, I'm the only one fucking staying home, I guess. I guess, well, new buildings, I don't know, I can't think of any, but... There were that's good, few. I guess. Yeah. You get a, oh, more aware than I am of what's going yeah, on. Yeah, well, least, you're, I, you know, it's good. You're you're in your own world, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I'm in my own world, and I kind of want to stay there, given uh, how the rest of the world is uh, acting. Um, yeah, so it's it's been a while since we talked Yeah, this. well, uh, that's exactly what I was going to say, is is before we even really uh, catch up the listeners with what we've been doing the last two weeks, because we haven't put on an episode in two weeks, which is the longest gap we've had, I, I think, ever in the history of the podcast, maybe. But... Um, clearly there's probably bigger things that we should maybe address before we get into the the fun stuff because we do have a fun episode planned we do have a lot of nice things to talk about but uh we got some not so nice things that maybe you know uh are more important not maybe they definitely are yeah um talking about the world looking a little different uh the last time you saw it uh it's certainly heading that way uh as we move forward and and biden by all accounts, everyone at this point has heard about the uh, murder of George Floyd uh, in Minneapolis by uh, member of members of, I should say, the uh, Minneapolis Police Department. Um, two, not quite two weeks ago, I guess, and um, just the the kind of impact that we're seeing around around the world. Like it's not just the states mm-hmm. this time that you know are, are coming out in. In, in the waves and the, the protests well, and all this, we've, we've it's it's a. Global... I mean, generally speaking, you know, it's a it's a serious and passionate issue when it affects Thunder Bay, because uh, this is a city where we are quite separate from what's going on in the rest of the world for the most of uh, most of the you know, for the most part. That's and yeah, that's fair. not necessarily a good thing. Sometimes, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but to see a protest happen here and and to actually by all accounts, go very well. Um, you know, it, it just, it speaks volumes to even people in our backyard to know that even that it had, that people in our town had 
strong feelings, something to say about it. You know, that speaks to how important, obviously, the issue has become, and obviously long overdue, but, um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things, it's, it's, you know, of course you should say, why weren't we doing this years ago? Why uh, is it different this time? But at the same time, that shouldn't change your focus now, right? You, you need to keep focus now and not, you know, think that you can go back to being complacent. You know, now's the time where we all have to kind of start moving forward and um, not just say, well, it doesn't affect me because uh, it does, right? It affects everyone in, in a way. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, it's it's remarkable watching it kind of unfold, um, not only on, you know, television or, or news outlets, but social media, it's, it's been an absolute, like, you, you really can't talk about anything else. When you hop on, you know, Twitter or Facebook or anything like that, it's it's pretty much all you see, rightfully so. Um, but it very, very much has kind of taken over uh, most of our lives for the last couple of weeks, and and it's it's one of those to me. I I looked at the timing, and it's it, in terms of a protest. Um, it's in a, in a weird way this kind of perfect storm where no one's at work at yeah. their nine to five and they have time to go stand on the streets and protest and there's no sports to go home and watch and and distract you from you know the the realities of That's life exactly. and, and all this and and it's it's just taken a life of its own and uh, these movements that we're seeing they're they're really impassioning um and a lot of times they're they're very horrific because we we see what's being done to a lot yeah. of these peaceful protesters, and it's you 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 sit there you feel helpless you you feel a loss of humanity in, in some regards as as things unfold in front of you and I I honestly am sickened by a lot of the stuff I've seen um, on social media and it's especially not only what's happening but the fact that it's not translating to larger media markets where you know let, let's show you know the protesters spray painting the statues but let's not show the police brutality that's going on i don't really yeah i don't really understand how that's not translating to that market for whatever reason. i guess i understand why yeah but, you know, there, there's one thing that i think not to get way off topic here but i i've always heard the argument you know, why doesn't the news cover this? And there's something that people don't understand about the news. The news is not for everyone. Like, like people that sit and think that the night the night news is made for all of us to watch, there's a reason why we don't all sit there and fucking watch it. It's mostly comfort food for fucking people who have nothing else to watch. It's almost entertainment for people. So for you to sit here and say, I'm, not, I'm surprised the news isn't covering it, like, what do you expect from the fucking news? You take the news seriously? Like, give me a fucking break. Like, to expect to see it on your nightly Fox fucking news, it's not going to happen. Pick a different network, okay? Go to NBC. Yeah, well, NBC's not going to fucking cover it either. Like, what network is going to cover this shit? That's what I don't understand. So, I, I've yeah. never expected the news to cover it. What we need to do specifically as a society is to make sure that we're doing a good job to getting the message out to everyone. Because the, the news was never going to do that. It, I, I'm not a big... Uh, uh, you know, conspiracy theorist or anything, but that's a really simple one to me, is the fact that the news just shovel shit into, no offense to everyone's grandparents here, to older people that just are used to fucking watching it for 50 years, because it used to be informative. It's not anymore. 
There's no anchors with balls. There's no producers with balls. None of them are going to do any of this. Well, actually, they do all have balls, but that's not the point. They're not going to put this on the networks. So you can continue to fight for it. That's fine. But the fact that we're all arguing, uh, or sorry, we're all working to inform each other rather than just you know bothering the news channels, the news are never going to change what they do. Try to get the news out to people that you know individually because you shouldn't have to rely on the news to do it. We have social media. We have all these tools. We have a greater tool than the news does. The news only reaches a certain part of the population. I haven't watched a fucking news report in 15 years. You know what I mean? Like, who, who the fuck watches the news? Nobody does. You have all these tools to inform all these people you know use those platforms, right? That's what we're seeing now is we're seeing you know, social media taken over by this, and and rightfully so, because the people who are going to instill change are the people that are on these social media websites, you know? Yeah. And just to touch on that quick, it's it's interesting that you say that, because I I agree, um, these news outlets across the states are, are not, you know, portraying these these horrific events. But what I find interesting is that it's the outlets from around the world that are. You've got well, the Australian... Okay. You know, reporters live on air getting shot at. Yes. You've got the Germans, the BBC. I should. Cl- that should to clarify, me very right? surprising. That, that's what because that's what everyone's talking about. Though they talk about it's not on the major news networks. America. You know American, what I mean? Yeah. You, there are news outlets that cover the actual news. For example, and this is another way that millennials are starting to switch the way that that we intake our understanding of what's going on in the world is you can fucking watch last week tonight with john oliver or you can watch uh i mean any of those types of shows with john oliver's far and away the best one but regardless like it's 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 encouraging to see everyone standing up and and uh trying to make a difference here and um you know i haven't been going on any big rants or anything like that because i i don't think i have anything to say that that hasn't already been said by a lot of people um, that I follow, I think a lot of people that I know, even from Thunder Bay, are, are doing a, a better job than I ever could. They're being way more articulate, and they're they're meant to take the lead, I think, because um, I I I don't know everything in, in terms of um, trying to make things better and how to how to really really contribute. So um, I've kind of taken a back seat and I'm just trying to kind of you know learn on a day to day what what I can what I can do to make a difference. Um, because what they're preaching is nothing that I didn't already think. I definitely already thought that way, but it's a matter of um, how to make things better that I think a lot of people are a little bit more educated on, and I'm glad that the people who are educated on that and do have something to say are saying things and are continuing to say things. That's the biggest difference, right? Is is this happens all the time. It happened with Ferguson. All the like These protests happen, but it's a matter of keeping them going. It's a matter of keeping the conversation going, and that's what's been happening. It's this happened... You know, I think it was a week ago or a little more now, and it still hasn't died down. There's still downtowns that are just being, um, you know, consumed by protests every day. Every single day they're getting the same thing, and um, that's the encouraging part is the fact that, uh, like you said, people have the ability because they don't have, uh, you know, job obligations and things like that to go to right now because of the pandemic, but... um, yeah, I'm not going to question why this is happening. You know, I'm 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 definitely okay with it. Um, there's an insane amount of of uh, you know horrible arguments trying to go the other way on this, and um, you know th- those people 
I, I just are not people that I take seriously anyway, so I haven't really had a need to, to get super um, heated on the internet yet, but I'm sure I'm sure it'll happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we get to the hockey side of how, you know, this interacts with the, the sport we talk about, I uh, just want to get your thoughts quick, because I know it's been a bit of a hot topic um, about the idea that is being floated around around defunding the police um it's it's being floated out there by a, a lot of different yeah. uh, avenues as as a possible not solution but you know a definite like a, a big step towards uh eliminating a, a, a large percentage of the threats and, and and deaths that result in in the black community uh just curious on on how you think if that is an a an idea that could work sure. or if it's not and 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 how that might look um yeah i mean the big thing is a lot of people have issues with the and i i initially was one of them until i kind of understood more what was going on was you know defund the police does sound um a little more major than what it actually means and, and it doesn't now there are people out there who are actually saying abolish the police which that cannot happen. That that is that is a horrible idea. But defunding the police, there's a lot of points you can make that um, that does make a lot of sense. Now, here's the thing that's kind of odd to me. But it, but again, this is why people who um, who are completely preaching this movement are better to preach it, talk about it, move forward with it than I am. Is because I don't quite understand exactly how it's going to get restructured to the point where we are going to be more protected than we are now in some ways what it will do is stop the inequality um and but there are a lot of smaller things that the police do take care of that you know they are meant to take care of there are a lot of people talking about putting the funding back in education and things like that and the funding probably needs to stay in terms of social working and and things like that it's going to need to stay on keeping the streets clean but we need to restructure the way we're doing that so when i hear defund the police defund the police means take away the funding so that way they don't have the manpower to uh for example they have no time on their hands so they'll take a minority figure and drive them out to the country and beat the living pulp out of them and then drive back into the city like you've heard horror stories over the year like just shit like that if you don't have enough <laughs> you know what i mean bodies on the street that shit's not gonna it can't happen because you don't have fucking time for it you know i think mm -hmm. with defund the police it's just um the wording needs to be strong in order for something to happen so i'm fine with them wording it that way but there are a lot of people who seem to think that when we're saying defund the police, uh, that it literally means abolish the police completely. There are people who are preaching for that. I don't agree with it. Um, but I do think there is a lot of merit to defunding them. Because what needs to fundamentally happen is a complete restructuring. And the only way that happens is a complete teardown. So, I mean... It might look different. We might, not, we might not even call them the fucking police at the end of the day. 20 years from now when everything's all said and done. Uh, maybe. You know, on, on this movement. Call them the Avengers. Whatever you want to call them, right? But, like, there, there's probably a way um, 
to restructure it. It's going to take time, and, and it, that's up to us to want to do the work to, to make it happen. Um, but definitely, I think I think defunding almost comes with an asterisk where you almost need to explain, well, here's what it means, right? Because there are a lot of people on the other side of it that hear defund the police, and what they think that means is we're just going to take all your cop buddies, uh, tell them to go home, and we're just not going to have police, and everything's going to work out fine because the police are the only thing causing the problem, and that's, you know, that's true related to this argument. However, there are things that they do that are good. Um, right. But we, we do need to completely restructure it. It's needed to be done for a long time. It's It's been very... Uh, I, don't, I don't talk about it specifically in Thunder Bay. Um, I've had friends who have had issues with the Thunder Bay police. And so I think in our own backyard, this is something that's needed to be restructured for quite some time. Uh, I cannot speak to most larger cities, but clearly, uh, from what I'm reading over the last week and a half, it needs to fucking happen. So, um, well, one of those major cities, uh, would be Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've seen what they've decided to do. They've stepped forward Mm -hmm. and and city council in Minneapolis has decided that they're going to disband the police. There will be no police force in Minneapolis. And, um, how that works still is kind of up in the air. Do they... Do they just turn around and lean on, you know, St. Paul and the areas around them for their police units? Do they rely on the state police of Minnesota? Um, and it's an interesting idea because I, I think in in the states it's a little bit different. Like, obviously, in Ontario, we have the OPP and then we've got our city cops. But if you go, if you go to these smaller cities across Canada, they only have the OPP in a lot of cases. So... In the states, it's a little different because every shit whole city in the ground has its own three or four dumbass police force, yeah. and then they've got the state cops yep. on top of that. Yep. So I like the idea of these of these at least the bigger cities for sure starting there and then working our way down of tearing it to the ground, disband it. You know what? We got a problem. It's a cancerous form of protection that we've kind of created in our society. Yep. Get rid of it. Cut it all out. I don't care if you're good, if you're bad, if you're a Catholic saint. You're gone. Yeah. And we're going to build it again. And while we're building it, we're going to rely on the state to kind of enact certain measures that we would need the police for outside of, uh, you know, these these efforts that can be solved with, like you said, um, social work and, 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 and focusing more, more attention on, on getting that type of... Um, force in place that that in, in my mind just eliminates the need for a, a, a police um, altogether. Um, at the very least, I, I agree with you. Like the, the the defund thing is very confusing in its in its wording. Yeah, the first um, day the first the day I least... read it, I I I didn't react this way, but part of me was kind of like, well, we can't do that. And then you start to think about it, and you start to read what people are saying, and it's like, okay, there's merit to it. Just maybe defund isn't the word to pick. And then I thought about sure. that, and I haven't seen this posted anyway, but this is just kind of my take on it. It's like, well, if we use a lesser word, is it going to happen? <laughs> like, it's kind of the old bargaining trick of ask for more, and then you will get exactly what you're asking for, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think my I- ideal... Like, uh, not ideal, I should say. Uh, my ideal situation is tear the whole fucking thing down. 
Whatever. Well, in an idealist um, society, what would happen is tomorrow, like, we would all just agree, every country, to just abolish all of our police departments and have everything completely restructured with everybody trained and ready to start tomorrow. However, uh, this is going to take at least a year where you're going to notice any tangible difference in any of these cities. And that's mm-hmm. unfortunate because it's um, it's probably going to result in more of this shit going on. Uh, that shouldn't be happening, but in the long run, yeah. it may make things better for society for sure. At the at the very least, I, I my opinion is that we need to demilitarize yes. the police, yes. and we need to take away this armed force mm-hmm. that a- apparently sits at the ready for for these situations where we've got peaceful protests taking place and they're being broken up by like literal iron men fitted cops that were the problem to begin with and now all we're doing is we're giving them you know 30% more armor and a helmet and a stick and a whole bunch of grenades and bombs and shit that they can throw at people legally somehow and that's the the, the response to yeah. the peaceful protest I, I really the, don't get it sorry go um, ahead no no I was just going to say like if, if you want to take those same cops and, and station them to you know, watch over the protest because, I, like, at the end of the day, there's there's people out there causing problems in the protests. Like, well, yeah, they, as peaceful as yeah. they are, there's you know, there's a whole bunch of people out there that are taking advantage. Exa- of them the, to the, do that's bad the things. problem, right? Is if if it's welcome to yeah. everyone, you are going to have the idiots that maybe even agree with the point of the protest, but show up and do stupid shit because Take because the they feel word. like they're yeah. allowed to. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> Not everyone out there is uh, is a good person, <laughs> for sure. So no, for sure, yeah. So I don't know, like that. Yeah. That's for me. It's it's got to go. It's got to change. I don't well, know how. It, I don't know how. Even starts, even to um, your point, like like the hard part is, is that in theory, the way everything is structured right now works, right? Here is the here is what leads to most of these problems is the idea that you're putting so much power in the hands of people who probably shouldn't have it. Right? Because there are some bad apples. Sure, whatever. We've heard that a million fucking times the last week. I'm sick of fucking hearing it. Here's the problem. is because the police is sort of geared toward attracting certain types of people to work for them. And not all of them are bad, but a lot of them are misguided. Right? Mm-hmm. Because they have so much power, it's so easy to get caught up in corruption and shit like that. I'm not defending them. I'm just saying, it's you know what I mean. For them, it, it, everything looks really appealing, really quick, it's, and it, it's fucking, a culture. They like yeah. five years later are the dirtiest fucking cop because this is just a way of life to them now. And uh, yeah, it does make them horrible people. Um, but here, here's the thing: is that we almost need a different type of person to want to do that job. And and that's what becomes difficult because these guys see so much shit that maybe they weren't prepared to see. They start to get a warped mind and things like that. And you know, that's part of the problem and it's part of the job and it's part of informing yourself when you sign up for this, this shouldn't be a fucking fallback job. If you wanted to be a cop, it should be because you wanted to make a fucking difference for, for good reasons in the world. And a lot of people don't get into it for that purpose. I have a really smart friend who thought about getting into policing and and has since gone on to do something else. And, you know, I remember a a university professor of his at the time um, 
saying to him, you know, a police officer requires a strong back and a weak mind. And I don't think you have a weak mind. And that's the problem is because a lot of people who get involved with it do have weak minds. There are a lot of great cops out there, but that doesn't excuse the actions of everything that goes on around them. So I think it is a fundamental problem in the way everything's structured. And that's the big issue is we need to find a way to restructure it. So that way these sorts of people aren't getting involved anymore and how we do that. That's a very difficult thing. But I think that's part of going back to what we were talking about with defunding the police and giving resources to social work and things like that. They can take some of the load off of certain calls that maybe we don't need the police going to. And the police can just focus on doing the actual shit that they were intended to do to begin with. That's a, like they, they are such a, a force that has just been fucking like work and jobs piled on, piled on. The cops will do this, cops will do that. And they're doing a million and fifty fucking things. And that doesn't help, like, keep the streets safe. You're, you're doing too much and, 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 you know, they get agitated and they fucking freak out. And we can't have people doing that. So we need to take work off their fucking shoulders, too, in order for things to not get a little hairy, you know? Oh, and just on top of that, even, it's it's such a vital part of our society, such an important role that these, these men and women are, are undertaking, mm-hmm. and yet such a low requirement. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much to be a cop, no. and I think that's one of the biggest issues, is if, if you're, uh, quote-unquote, a, a failure in your life, or however you want to phrase it, you can kind of, you know, more so in the States, but in Canada as well, you can kind of decide, hey, you know what, I'm just going to go down to City Hall and apply to be a police officer. Yeah. And, you know, if, if, you're, if your city is strapped for, for bodies, nine times out of ten, boom, you got a job, you got a pension, you got, you know, a, a retirement fund, you've, you've got it all figured out for the next 30 years of your life, but no one's really asking the big questions here about is this guy actually qualified right. to do the job. Yeah. Outside of maybe not having a criminal record, which is great, but you're 18 years old, that's not really an accomplishment. <laughs> and, you know, that's not to say that person won't develop into, you know, the type of people that can get their minds molded and, and, yeah. and fall into victim well, of that, that culture that and I was an, talking And about. another thing, and here, here, like, I try not to make, um, you know, requests of the government when I'm not informed on what's going on. <laughs> But I will say this, and I really, there's nothing you can answer me this uh, that is going to convince me otherwise. We definitely, regardless of what the police force looks like when we're done with this, uh, the psychiatric testing and evaluation needs to be a lot fucking more uh, well thought out and strenuous and regular. You know what I mean? Just because you passed a hundred question fucking psych evaluation when you first got hired onto the force doesn't mean that six months later you shouldn't be getting another intensive out like these guys should be looked at all the fucking time because Mm -hmm. even the good people with their hearts in the right place especially in thunder bay get calls on friday nights and go somewhere and see something they thought they might see one day didn't realize how much it was going to affect them and a year later just because everyone else thinks they're fine doesn't mean they are fucking fine that's mm-hmm. a huge problem is is you know and, and it's something that you know i know we're all mad at the fucking police right now but 
all of these first responders need more mental health attention. And that's one thing, if we take the funding away from hiring bad police officers, we can look after the good ones, right? Like, that right. that's, yeah. it's just where it is. Like, I've heard so many times from people I know who work in first responder uh, careers like telling me the number of cops we have on a Friday night here in Thunder Bay. And the number is shockingly fucking low, shockingly. And to take more of them off the road, like that's fine, but we need to have a plan on how we're going to handle all these calls that they already cannot handle. That's the whole thing is we just need to make sure that we, um, definitely have ideas in place moving forward rather than just moving forward because, of this horrible fucking thing that there is going on. There needs to be a change. Like, like it, it, all this said, there's so much shit going on that people uh, maybe are just becoming aware of, um, you know, that are that are just fu- absolutely fucking reprehensible. Like, it, it's, um, you know, we've long needed this change. There have been people who have been banging the drum for quite a while, and they're finally getting fucking listened to, and they're getting some backing on it. So it's, uh, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, switching a little bit to introduce, you know, how, how the NHL kind of factors into all this, um, as with every league, as with every organization in the world where we're seeing, uh, public, you know, um, declarations and statements being made by, by companies around the world and, and the NHL as well. Uh, finally, I, I guess with the New York Rangers, finally <laughs> they did it, guys. Long overdue. Hey, they did it. On they the joined us. Bandwagon. Yeah, I guess someone had to be. If last. you asked me who uh, the two last teams were gonna be, the Rangers would have been up there for me. But I could have fucking, I would have put everything I have, knowing that the fucking Senators were gonna be the second last team. I fucking knew it. A fucking course they were gonna be. It's because they keep firing their, like, PR yeah. guys. They didn't actually <laughs> exactly. have a PR guy to Oh, God. Actually, I was going to say that they hired a new president, and I, I was going to say the name of the old guy, but the new guy's actually from Thunder Bay. And I can't remember his name, who they hired. No, no, Mc, can I? I remember. I know who you're maybe, talking about. Or, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. McConaughey? Something you like you keep talking. I'll look it up. M- Mickle something. Mickle Um Yeah. So, but... Anyway, just just kind of getting back to it. Oh. The NHL, all the teams have come it's, out. It's uh, it's Anthony LeBlanc, but <laughs> whatever, right. close enough. S- sounds like a Mick. Um, uh, maybe I'm thinking of John McDonough getting fired from Chicago because we we never talked about that either, really. But that okay. could be it. Anyway, uh, the teams have come out. They've made their statements. A lot of them sucked, uh, a as a lot of these things yeah. do. Um, you know, like, you can't really expect... No. I, I've learned at this point, you can't really expect much from these, no. you know, PR departments. You know, you know what? Up, they're going to cover their ass, they're going to Pe- say what they people have to People are, are right to be mad, but at the end of the day, you know... Don't act surprised. Yeah, like, at the end of the day, these are brands, right? That That's the big thing for yeah. me, is... Um, I'm, I'm... I can't remember if it was... If it was for both statements, or if it was only when Evander Kane spoke up a couple weeks ago following Akeem Alou's uh, article, which we will talk about. Um, But the San Jose Sharks released a statement, and instead of it saying the San Jose Sharks, it was, you know, bylined by Hasso Plattner, their their owner and president. And to me, that speaks... That's way more like, you know, the head of the organization sitting down and being like, here's the fucking problem. We need to listen, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that speaks more to me 
than just like, oh, we think racism's bad, you know, blah, 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 signed the Tampa Bay Lightning or whatever. It's like, I don't care. They need to come up with a statement that addresses what's going on, but is also neutral enough for their fans on the other side of the argument, so that way they can still sell tickets to them. Because I don't know if everyone knows this out there, selling tickets moving forward going to be difficult for the next few years. So these teams need to cover their ass. Of course their fucking statements are going to be somewhat fucking neutral. What what, what did you expect? You know? Like, yeah. ben, ben, fucking, uh, you know, Ben and Jerry's can afford to come out and be like, you know what, if you're a racist, fuck you. Don't eat our ice cream. You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. the Tampa Bay Lightning do not have that option. And it's unfortunate because at the end of the day, I it's the idea that we don't want to piss off the other side. Yeah, it's, that's well, it's, a shitty excuse. No, it's fucking like, spineless. I, don't get me wrong, but that's why I it's get happening, it. right? Yeah, we understand why they're doing it. It's just mm-hmm. like, it'd be really nice if we could all just come out and say that these racists don't really belong in our arenas I buying our crap. I'm, and... I'm not judging Larry Tannenbaum as a person, but I really think Kyle Dubas had a lot to do with the Leafs statement. Like, I, 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 could, I, I think there it. were a few yeah. organizations where the general manager kind of stepped in and said, like, listen, we, we can't be super neutral on this. Like, we need to make a statement. And, um, you know, I just, I never, like, Larry Tannenbaum's been in charge of the Leafs for, on and off, for a long time. And he hasn't always instilled a lot of faith in me, but the Leafs statement was among the best, for sure. It was pretty I think close. the only team to use the word murder. It was pretty close to having a spine. <laughs> like, pretty yeah. close. Yeah. Um, and obviously, with that, we saw a lot of players come out, and it was the same kind of feeling where yeah. we had a lot of good ones, and then we had a lot of a lot hey, of them. He, a lot uh, of them. The agent texted them agents, in the morning yeah. and was like, "Yeah, you 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 need a new contract this we summer. We should you probably might say, say something. something." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and again, like it's, I I don't really know how much, you know, I put into the idea that. Every fucking player needs to come out and say something and well, make their peace with it. Yeah, unless it's an actual, well-thought-out um, argument and you have something different to say. But if you're just yeah. being like, we need to we need to listen and I need to be better. and Yeah, we all do, man. Like You don't, you don't even really need to say it. It's nice right. that you acknowledge it. Even if I were in that shoes, I would, I would have to say something. Like, there'd, just, there'd be no fucking way... I, I I couldn't believe, uh, and this is kind of where we were headed, there wasn't really much of a reason to talk about it a couple weeks ago because it was so fresh, and I wanted to see what was going to happen. I cannot fucking believe that basically nobody said anything after Akeem Alou again last week. Like, again. Like, this is the second time the guys come out and said a bunch of stuff, and here's what's going on. And it's like Evander Kane was like, yeah, we need to listen, and like Logan Couture was like, yeah, and then nobody else said anything. Like, can we, can we address this fucking guy here, please? Like, can someone say something? I don't think, but mind you, I don't, I don't have an $8 million contract. I don't think I could honestly fucking sit there if I were in their position and not say something. Like, I just, I, I can't understand how these guys can actually bite their tongues on this shit. You know? Yeah. I, I don't get it. And I know yeah, it, some of them don't weird. agree with it. Yeah. I know we have, you know... Like, based on the law of averages, sure, without naming names, there are fucking <clears throat> racists and, and, like, 
hardcore bigots and stuff like that in the sport. That's part of the problem. That's why we're talking about abolishing this sort of shit and changing the culture. And that's the conversation that's been going on in hockey for a couple of weeks at least. And, you know, I, I understand that. But there are enough guys, too, by the law of average that are good people that didn't say a fucking thing either. And it's mm-hmm. like, how can you just sit there idly by? Especially if you're a player of, like, I know he got fucking called out for it, so I'm just going to pile on because it's an easy thing to do, I guess. Sidney Crosby, when you know the Penguins aren't going to buy you out because you fucking said this or something. <laughs> like, you pretty much own the team without it having on paper that you own the team. And to not say anything is just like, you are one of the most influential people in North America, sports-wise. Even though people don't fucking watch hockey. You have to say something. Everybody knows who Sidney Crosby is. You know what I mean? For people out there who don't know who Connor McDavid is, people know who Sidney Crosby is. He's very famous. Yeah, Say something. And if he doesn't agree with it, that's fine, but that's part of the problem with our sport if our major fucking player is... You know what I mean? Can't say anything in the wake of this, and feels so strongly the other way like you know what i mean like unless you feel so strongly the other way that you don't want to start a fucking rift and and ruin your image then why not say something because if you're on Mm -hmm. this side people want to hear from you it's gonna go a long way yeah oh it's it's unfortunate that it took him especially of all people that as long as it did to come out and say something but um bit of a hand statement uh, too anyway yeah true i want to acknowledge too like you you brought up akima lu and um, just yesterday, I, I, I don't know if you saw this, the, the formation mm-hmm. of the Hockey yeah. Diversity Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Akeem Alou, Trevor Daly, Matt Dema, you know, a whole bunch of guys got together. And, and they've, they've kind of made this, this community pledge, uh, in a short way of saying it, where they're going to, you know, their mission is to eradicate, you know, the racism and, you know, get rid of the, the tolerance for it in, in the sport of hockey. And, and I, th- I like, I'm I'm one of those people where it's like, yeah, you know, it's a really great idea. I don't know if it's going to work. I really want this to work because it's it's so nice to see a, a group of guys get together and talk about something cross. It doesn't matter what team you play for. You know what I mean? Like the, some of these guys are retired. Some of them are active. Some of them are going to like punch each other in the face in like four weeks. Yeah. So, you know, like they've put everything kind of on the back burner and said, look, we got a huge problem. We're going to take charge. We're going to, you know, grab the flag. We're going to grab it, and we're going to go and follow us. And, and I I cannot wish them the best. I, I I really hope this works out for them. And, and I'm excited to see where they go because they said they got some other uh, athletes yeah. in, involved that, they, well, that they're going to announce soon. What and, I think is interesting, too, and, and, you know, they're more involved with it, and they know where they want to take things, so I'm not, uh, not going to sit here and, and tell them what they should and shouldn't do. But one thing that I found is interesting is, is I don't know if you do, but I, I know some of our listeners probably don't, um, is if you don't follow Brock McGillis on Twitter, you you should. And the reason... The, Brock McGillis is a former OHL player who uh, didn't spend a lot of time in the O, but he he, uh, he played enough games. He was a former Windsor Spitfire and Sue Greyhound, uh, openly gay athlete, former athlete now. And um, he's been working quite hard behind the scenes to try and get involved and has met a lot of resistance. He's tried to get involved with the GTHL for what he says is about three years. Um, They have no interest in bringing him in. 
uh, and Rick Westhead is currently working on a on a project to talk about you know the issues in the GTHL specifically. Uh, but Brock McGillis approached or just tweeted at um, Evander Kane and and uh, uh, whoever whoever else Matt Dumba and a couple of the other guys that are on the bill for this uh, hockey diversity alliance and said that he wants to get involved as well. And I'm kind of hoping that if if they don't at least let him in, they at least maybe lead him in a way to create his own sort of um, alliance to do the same thing for people that are involved in the sport that are members of the LGBTQ movement. Um, so I thought that was super interesting. I'm kind of curious to see if they're going to let him in and, and help out a little bit. Um he, he is an incredible follow on Twitter, so if nothing else, if you're not going to read up on him or anything like that, I definitely would follow him because he he is someone who is trying to make a difference in the sport f- amongst other issues that are going on, which is not just racism, but is the bigotry. And um, he's trying to get involved, and I, I know he's going to make a huge difference one day. It's just a matter of when he's actually given the proper opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's one of those situations where I we as a as a human what is it what are we as a species <laughs> um <laughs> like we human race <laughs> i believe is the human uh, race, human okay. race okay. is the term yeah we we definitely it's it's long overdue it, it is definitely time that we as a collective are, are all working together we're all pulling the same rope you know uh i i know that there there's 15 ropes out there and we should be pulling on all of them but Mm-hmm. Let's just make it into one big fucking rope, and we can all pull yeah. it, and we can all, yeah. that, you know, that, move the that, conversation that's forward. That's exactly it, is because a lot of the people who are intolerant of one type of person are the same type of people that are intolerant of several types of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, it's, it's, it, there aren't the same thing, but we're all trying to work toward this common goal of just accepting other people's cultures, other people's backgrounds, other people's sexual orientation, gender, whatever you have it, um, to just sit back and say, like, yeah, that that's cool, that that's what you are, like, that's great. You know what I mean? Rather than, than this guy shouldn't be on your team because his skin's brown or something. Like, like what? Definitely. Uh, anything else you want to touch on here before we kind of shift gears? No, and, I, because, uh, and here's the yeah. thing, I mean, we talked about it quite a bit, and the other thing is that I think it's going to be a topic of conversation for a while. I'm hoping it is. It's another thing, um, I'm a little bit closer to the the hockey um, inequality movement than I would be for the social side of it, just because um, I have been around certain situations in hockey where people have been excluded so i think i'm more qualified to get involved with that and i would like to um for people who listen to the podcast that don't know what i look like which is probably nobody uh i do have darker skin and it's not that dark i am actually white but uh i definitely got called racial slurs and shit like that when i played hockey you know what i mean the amount of times i got called a fucking packy like what <laughs> like it's it, it's something that I've experienced too and um, it needs to change and it's it's part of the problem and I'm hoping that it's basically what is my long-winded way of saying that I'm hoping that this is a conversation that just keeps happening um, because we're going to continue to have it whether or not other people uh, do so oh I can't wait to lose uh, four of our 12 listeners <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> or something. Yeah, don't don't like don't undershoot the number here, man. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know uh, the enough. guy that's listening to this podcast. You know, you listening right now. Yeah, you're the only one. Yeah, fuck yeah. you. Like, no, there are people that listen to this. You just like start naming that one guy by, or we could just start calling him individually and get, you know skip the whole process. Okay. Um. Okay, so yeah, you're right. Uh, this is this is the conversation is not over. the The segment on on this episode has ended. Don't for a second think that the conversation has ended. No, it's going to be a long time. We're going to be talking about this no, one for a while. And in fact, if there's anyone out there who wants to reach out and share their own experiences and have a conversation, we would love to do an episode based just on that. Um, you know, yeah, e- e- equality and things like that. Absolutely, would love to. Um, so yeah, for sure. Um. Okay, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll switch gears here. We'll get things uh, maybe a little bit, a little bit more upbeat, a little bit more fun, and and uh, but uh, an important, important, important subject we had to cover off the hop there. Def, definitely something that uh, we're both very uh, passionate about. Um, Chris Cuthbert, you love oh, him. I love him. Fuck yeah, the nation loves him. Oh man, uh, the man is taking his talents to long. No, he's taking <laughs> his talents to Sportsnet. Um, I'll probably watch a few more Sportsnet games than I normally would uh, as a result of that move. Um, yeah, with the sound on. Came anyway. out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Kinda came absolutely out of nowhere. came out of nowhere. That was the weird. That man. That was the weirdest. Here, here's the thing with people who don't understand uh, Chris Cuthbert and the history of his career is Chris Cuthbert um, used to be the. Uh, 10 o'clock game for CBC and was publicly declared to be the heir to Bob Cole's throne when he would retire. In other words, Jim Hewson would not be doing the job he's doing right now if uh, Chris Cuthbert hadn't have opened his mouth one day, pissed someone off at CBC, and basically told them to fly a kite. And uh, don't know if you are aware of this because a lot of our listeners are younger. Uh, CBC and Sportsnet, same, same fucking producers the same group of guys it's not it's not that different a lot of the same people are there um very weird that he would go back (laughs) and work with some of these people that he uh definitely uh maybe had issues with in the past but uh the past is the past i guess and uh it was like 15 years ago or however long ago it was so uh yeah to have chris cuthbert back doing uh playoff games in canada is insane man because um NBC, as of right now, kind of has, like, two of the top, uh, actually three of the top broadcasters in hockey doing playoff hockey, and we don't have any of them doing it in Canada, right? Because we we get the Canadian feeds of these games, so we don't get Chris Cuthbert, we don't get Gord Miller, we don't get Doc Emmerich. They all work for NBC. So, Mm -hmm. now Chris Cuthbert doesn't. He works for Canada. This is great. This is awesome. There it is. I'm hoping what they do... Uh, and it's very obvious to me, and I'd be shocked if they don't do it, at least maybe not immediately, but over time, is there is such a fucking hatred for Jim Hewson on Leafs Twitter. I don't really understand the hatred. I don't particularly love him anymore. He's kind of gotten a little stale for me, but he's definitely not bad. Uh, but Leafs, Mm. Leafs Twitter hates him. 
So what they probably should do is take Chris Cuthbert, put him in the spot that he should be in right now anyway, which is doing 7 o'clock games involving the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Montreal Canadiens, and take Jim Hewson and move him back out to Vancouver where he's very happy to do the Canucks and the Flames and the Oilers because all of Western Canada fucking loves Jim Hewson. So put him back where he belongs. This is a, this is a match made in heaven. This is the best thing that could have ever happened. Basically, Hockey Night looks now how it was always going to look now, uh, like 15 years ago. And now we're just back yeah, to normal. They're, they're just 14 months late, that's all. You know, that's all it is, really. Yeah, 14 to 14 years, anyway, so. Yeah. I mean, technically, Bob Cole only just retired last year. I mean, he did that was one a game a year, but, you oh know. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was last year. Jesus. Um... Yeah, Chris Cuthbert. I'm I'm a big fan. Of it. It'll be nice to hear him back on the Canadian feeds and and uh, Sportsnet has tried their hand with my... Cuthbert types before. Like right, like that. Like Romanuk is a Cuthbert type where he's just gonna kind of got the voice, but he mm-hmm. didn't have the. He just there were parts of him just too rough around the edges. I think, and a lot of people didn't like him for that. I loved him. I thought he was great, but uh, he did make a lot of mistakes and things like that. And some nights he wasn't really able to totally capture the energy and the spirit of the game he wasn't able to analyze it with his color guy very well like he just it just wasn't a good fit chris cuthbert is good at every single part of hockey broadcasting there's nothing bad uh he i don't even think and this is something very rare uh with hockey broadcasters i don't remember him ever making a controversial comment during a game he is like fucking flawless man it's gonna be great it's gonna be great i'm i'm excited he he can he can tell me all about uh, every which way that my sweet, sweet boy Austin Matthews can score a goal. Um, I just need to get Ray Ferraro over, and we're good. Speaking of uh, Mike sweet, Johnson, sweet even like some playoff goals, uh, we got a bit of a playoff update. The NHL has kind of come out, and they've made some hmm. revisions and settled on some some key things that were kind of left up in the air since the last time we talked. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them being that we're going to get four rounds of best of seven. So anyone that was worried about this playoff being wonky honky tonky different it's same thing you love it's all all you people wanted four rounds of seven you're gonna get it and we're gonna reset by seeding after every round sure uh that was a i know know that was a big debate that was kind of going back and forth and um i'm i'm glad that if they're doing it i i think this is the way to do it um it gives the regular season a minuscule of meaning uh, by, you know, allowing the somewhat of the seeds to have some say in who they play. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, we have some closure. We got a better idea of how things are going to look. Uh, and short of not really knowing how those top four seeds in each conference are going to shake down, mm-hmm. uh, you can kind of get a bit of an idea of how the playoffs m- might look uh, when, when things start, start rolling here. Um, did, did you like it? Was this the right move on, in your mind? Uh, no, but well, <laughs> give you know where I'm going with stance. that. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly why I don't like it. Uh, it's not, it's, you know what? It's fine. Obviously as a hockey fan, I would like to see, um, you know, truer to form playoffs. The closest thing we can do to what it actually is, is, is as a hockey fan, what I want to see. Um, the like, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but my main concern with more games is I don't like the I don't think the fucking hockey is going to be that good. But that's another that's another conversation for closer to the day. Um, one thing I definitely my first immediate thought when I saw this announcement 
and it's kind of interesting conversation because of going back to what we talked about at the top of the episode, what's going on in Minneapolis. Uh, wouldn't be shocked, though, if the Winter Classic opens up the 2021 season, because uh, this is now going to further delay the start of next season. So the way I see it is, regardless of when this probably starts, which is probably late July, early August at the at best, uh, we probably are not starting the 2020-2021 season until January. And I would just make the Winter Classic the opener, which is, as of right now, scheduled to be at Target Field in Minneapolis, but I guess we will cross that bridge when we get there. One thing I will say, uh, Minneapolis is out as a hub city. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. not not going to happen. Like, that is for sure... It hasn't been announced, but there is no fucking way that they are getting well, the hub city rights right no, now. No, they, they, they won't. Um, something interesting that I've I've kind of stumbled across sure. um, I like interesting. the last couple days was... We're going to do seven rounds. It's going to take X amount of time to, to do that. We kind of know roughly when the season's going to end. The NHL has come out. Gary Bettman has stated, oh, maybe we're going to start the season at the Winter Classic, January 1st. Are, are we not totally sure that this September 15th cutoff date for the CBA isn't going to rear its ugly head mm-hmm. and we're going to kind of use... September to December as a lockout of sorts mm-hmm. to get that sorted out. It's crossed my mind a few times because sure. I, I know the NHL has, at one point they were saying November, and then they never really deviated from that, and then all of a sudden it was January 1st. Um, just something that I, I kind of thought was interesting because it's it's something that they have to address they they have to get a new CBA signed mm-hmm. um, technically starting September 15th they can start that process and why not yeah like well if they've learned anything from other leagues that maybe I won't name specifically uh, but we'll we'll call it um, the major league of baseball uh, definitely not a great time to enter super aggressive negotiations with your players because there's um two weeks ago you and i two weeks ago today you and i recorded an episode and i taught and i i said the sentence baseball might be playing before hockey and two weeks later major league baseball may never play another game again and might fucking go defunct (laughs) like they might have to completely reform the league at this point so yeah that's a mess and the NHL does not want to get into those sort of negotiations because um, there are people in the NBA, or sorry, MLB part of the negotiations that also, uh, fun fact, are involved with the NHLPA. So, yeah, I don't really want those same people mm-hmm. at the fucking bargaining table uh, saying the same shit that they're saying right now and trying to take away players' rights, especially right now when players are a little feisty uh, given a lot of the sh- other shit that's happening. So, yeah, uh, this could get when a it- little hairy. One of the other reasons that kind of led me down this path was that let's let's say, just for argument's sake, November first is when the NHL would like to start the season, but they steer into this notion of a lockout, and then January first rolls around and we've got hockey again, but because it's a lockout, 
we've eliminated a certain amount of games. The, you know, the NHL has long said that they, they're adamant we're going to play a full season next year, 82 games. Take a look at what's going to take place next July um, and tell me that this isn't going to work for the NHL because there's no way that you're going to put playoff hockey uh, on and expect anyone to watch while the Olympics are going yeah. on. So they are really going to have to seriously consider shortening that season and what better way to shorten a season for the NHL than to say we're going to start on this date, knock out the first 20, 25 games, call it a lockout, and yeah. play the rest of the season so that you're done before the Olympics are, are in your face. Yep. Um, yep, you, you absolutely nailed it. It's a very real possibility. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't put it past the NHL. The, the problem is, is they... You know, they've survived competing or competing with all these other sports leagues forever. Ratings only really do so much for the NHL. They they gain more of their revenue from ticket sales and um, game day shit than they do from yeah. from TV ratings. So it, it's not to say that their TV ratings are everything, but if they are competing against the Olympics during the playoffs, that is going to be a catastrophe. Because mm-hmm. even myself. I don't even really care for the Summer Olympics. I'm a Winter Olympic guy. I probably will still pick Summer Olympics over the NHL at some point. There's going to be a 100-meter dash I'm going to want to see over the fucking uh, Vancouver Canucks and the Nashville Predators trap fest or something. Like, I don't... I'm not going to want to watch that. So If you think I'm not going to sit here and watch Christine Sinclair lead her team to gold, you got another thing I coming, I thought she was Mr. retiring. Batman. She's still giving her... Oh, I don't know. Uh, she was going to play this summer, okay. but it got delayed, so I don't know. Maybe she's, cool. maybe she's done. I no, know, I, I could but. be wrong. I'm probably wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's... Uh, they're going to lose a major part of their ratings in the States, and um, like I said, they've survived competing against major sports leagues, but the Olympics are another different... They're a completely different animal, right? Oh, yeah. There's a reason NBC why... has that. There's a reason why the NHL doesn't presently, you know what I mean, uh, like have anything going on during the winter olympics like they could in theory have like their trade deadline and shit like that during that time they don't do a thing it's a complete stoppage yeah yeah the like like i said like nbc has the american viewership rights to the olympics so unless you want to watch game four of the finals on the fishing network or, or whatever feed they happen to have open at the time like it's just like there's no way that they're gonna put that over any fucking Olympic no. event that has, you know, even a possibility of an American being in it. So, uh, it would it would be a complete shit show for them, and there's absolutely no way I can see them even nope. trying to venture down that road. No. Nope. Um. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, that's that on the playoff update, I guess. Uh. Uh. uh Team slowly starting to let their players back in. Uh, we saw some some Leafs have returned to the practice facilities and and players around the different markets slowly getting back in there, getting on the ice, uh, training, getting set for whatever we're gonna call this mad dash to the Grail of Lord Stanley. Mm-hmm. Um, did you uh, did you want to do? You had a, a game. You want to do that? You want to pass on that? I don't know what you thought. Oh yeah. Well, I was just uh, I was going to quickly mention too. Like I uh, I initially was somewhat optimistic that Toronto would be a hub city, and then everything happened oh, yeah. on May long weekend. And I I think uh, I have gone back the other way now, and I sort of think Toronto's still a strong contender. 
Uh, they're in better shape than they were a few weeks ago, and definitely in better shape than we thought they would be now, although they're not uh, nearly out of the woods compared to the rest of the province, where at least some things are opening and people can somewhat leave their houses now. Um, so so that's interesting. I, I still really am hesitant given... Um, I think it's just really hard logistically how everything's going to work with the borders. So there's still a lot of work to be done to actually have um, Canada as one of the hub cities. I think that's going to take a little bit of while, a little bit of time to still hammer it out. Um, but I think Toronto's in a better to, spot maybe to host than they were. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really hesitant with Vegas. I know everyone says that it's a slam dunk. It's one city that actually doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. And it, and it's just like, other than for TV's sake, there's really no reason to have to have an Eastern and a Western city. Um, and even for TV's sake, like if the players are not going to be able to leave their hotel other than to play hockey and work out and shit like that, what the hell does it matter if we actually have a game at, you know what I mean? 11 o'clock at night in one city. And it, so that way it's on at eight o'clock in the West or whatever, like, has it any different from how things were other than, you know, your sleep schedule is going to get messed up. And if it is going to get messed up, but you're going to be living in the city, like, just acclimatize yourself. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to be getting up later and, like, that might be how it's going to work. So, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting one. Uh, I'm really hesitant on Vegas, though, man. I, I didn't really like a lot of the shit that, uh, like, they're just pretty much reopening and shit like that. And that does kind of concern me. Uh, given how it's one city where it is very hard to social distance. So, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little See, hesitant I, I, on Vegas, but... I thought all the casinos were closed. Like, are they opening those again? Is that the idea? Some of them did open, yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I, that, I thought that was kind of why Vegas was the slam dunk. Mm-hmm. Can't go there and gamble. All the casinos are closed, exactly. right? Like, but, uh, yeah, I guess that's a different... It's it's an sure. interesting thing. Again, like, I... I under... The only reason why Columbus doesn't make sense to me is just possibly uh, resources. Like, I don't know if they have the resources, but it is a major, like, college town. Like, they, they, as, like, they host conventions and shit like that all the time. This is essentially just a convention. And if you can't have conventions, then you can use the resources for the conventions for the NHL. So I think... Columbus makes like perfect sense to me, but um, yeah. whatever. It's it's I, I I have an interesting idea. I know it's not going to work. I don't think the arena's ready and and operational. Oh, buddy, I don't think Fort William Gardens is going to be able to to <laughs> host this for um, many fucking reasons. The NHL keeps talking about the idea that we might have fans in the conference finals and the Stanley Cup finals. We might have well, fans open to all possibilities. Well, social distance, half capacity, and all this shit. Yeah. And I keep thinking, like, if, if that's the idea, and if they're going to do that, um, you can't stop them. But wouldn't it be kind of cool? Here we go. Given that this is a unique situation that we find ourselves in, if Seattle was a hub city. Yeah, I know. No, knowing that, I know. you know, okay, I thought in, about that in a too. month, we're going to have fans that can come and, and view the product, I thought about get that the too. excitement going. Get, get you know get the get the population pumped up you know let's go I'm I don't know. I'm quite certain that they've considered that and I I haven't looked but I'm pretty sure Seattle's doing okay uh, in terms of COVID but um, mm-hmm. yeah I don't know it's an interesting thought I'm kind of I was kind of surprised it wasn't on the list either but 
I think they're still trying to work to get um, their facilities and stuff up to date in the downtown. Like, they're building hotels and shit like that to accommodate this the NHL downtown. team they're getting. And I just, I don't know if they are ready to host. So I would assume that's why they were left out, because you're right, the NHL, uh, that would have been top of my fucking list for sure, would have been Seattle. Just makes mm-hmm. perfect Definitely. sense, you know. It'd be awesome uh, if if another team won a Stanley Cup in Seattle before the new Seattle expansion team ever had an opportunity to play for it. That would be fucking hilarious. But, mm-hmm. yeah, well, see how Yes, I do have a game for you. Uh, it is Don't Panic, so it's a very quick one. Uh, uh, so for those of you who are not familiar, uh, James, I'm just going to tell you your category now because it makes things easier to explain. This week we are going uh, back to the team that drafted them. So I'm going to give you a player, and you're going to have to give me the team that drafted them. You can guess a player as many times as you want. You are allowed to skip, which I would probably advise because that makes more sense than uh, guessing like seven teams or something if that's how many you want to do, but... Uh, you know, like, if you if you got a few guesses, take your time. Guess as many as you want. So we want to see how many you can get correct. Um, we're not really worried about how many you're getting wrong. Uh, I did uh, have more players this week, because I know we almost ran out of players last time, because you did so damn good. So we're going to try it again. Uh, I am going to, however, use the longer version of Don't Panic 2, um, because that I, I didn't bother to try to find the original version. So um, for those of you who are not familiar... Uh, James is going to have to give me... I'm going to give him a player. He's going to have to give me the team that drafted them, and he's got to see how many he can give me in the total time it takes for us to listen to Don't Panic by Coldplay, uh, which is about two minutes and I think this version's 23 seconds, maybe. So, uh, James... How, what's what's my record to beat? Uh, you got 21 last week, so it's... Ooh, yeah, you got... Not confident. It's, it's going to be really hard to ever beat it, to be quite honest with you, but... Um, you know, that that's what I said last week. I'm like, you know what, if you get 10, I'll be happy. You got 21, so uh, I guess we'll see. Are you okay. uh, are you perhaps ready? <clears throat> All right, I think I'm yes. I, am, I I'm think good. I'm yes. Okay, uh, so we're going to start Don't don't Panic. And uh, given what we've been talking about this week, I think it's only fitting to start with Akima Lou. Chicago Blackhawks. Correct. Kimo Timonen. Nashville Predators? Nope. Skip. Stefan Yell. Colorado Avalanche. Nope. Quebec Nordiques. Nope. Skip. Ben Bishop. Ottawa Senators. Nope. Tampa Lightning. Nope. Skip. Joey Juno. Uh, Boston Bruins. Yep. Uh, Aaron Miller. Skip. Uh, Jerome McGinley. Dallas Stars. Yep. Adam Graves. New York Rangers? Nope. Skip. Jacob Voracek. Columbus Blue Jackets. Yes. George Larocque. Edmonton Oilers. Yep. Uh, Shane Gostisbehere. Philadelphia Flyers. Yep. Brian Elliott. Ottawa Senators. Yep. Corey Sarich. Tampa Lightning. Nope. Skip. Kyle Turris. Phoenix Coyotes. Yep. Uh, Byron Defoe. Ah, <sighs> uh, skip. I was looking forward to that one. Uh, Marcus Naslin. Pittsburgh Penguins. Yep. Alexi Kovalev. Mm. Pittsburgh Penguins. Nope. Skip. Zach Cassian. 
Buffalo Sabres? Yep. Cody Hodgson. Formerly traded for Zach Cassian. Vancouver Canucks? Yep. Uh, Devontae Smith-Pelly. New Jersey Devils. Nope. Skip. Dale Hunter. <laughs> Washington Capitals. <laughs> nope. Skip. <laughs> Charlie Coyle. <laughs> Coyle. Minnesota Wild. Nope. Skip. <laughs> Dimitri Uskavich. Philadelphia Flyers? Yep. Mikhail Backlund. Calgary Flames. Yep. Kevin Shattenkirk. Colorado Avalanche. Yep. Joel Farabee. St. Louis Blues. Nope. Skip. Uh, at the buzzer, Miroslav Shatan. New York Islanders. Nope. Um, well, you did good. I, I, I didn't tell you ahead of time, but I ramped up the difficulty a little bit this week, so... Uh, I noticed. You got a Kimalu. Uh, you did not get Kimo Timonen. We were looking for the Los Angeles Kings. You did not get Stefan Yell. We were looking for the New Jersey Devils. Uh, you did not get Ben Bishop. We were looking for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, you got Joey Juno, so that's two. You did not get Aaron Miller. We were looking for the New York Rangers. Uh, Jerome McGinley, you got Dallas Stars. Uh, Adam Graves, you did not get. We were looking for the Detroit Red Wings, interestingly enough. That's fucked. Uh, he actually played there, too. I didn't. I didn't really know that, but... Uh, Jacob Voracek, you got. George LaRock, you got. Brian Elliott, you got. Shane Gossesbear, you got. Uh, Corey Sarich, we are looking for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, you got Kyle Turris. You did not get Byron Defoe. We were looking for the Washington Capitals. Sure. Uh, you got Marcus Nasland. Um, you, uh, sorry, you did not get Alexi Kovalev. We were looking for the New York Rangers. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach Cassian, you got. Cody Hodgson, you got. You did not get Devontae Smith-Pelly. This was a hard one. He actually was drafted and played briefly for the Ducks, um, which I actually mm-hmm. forgot about because I, he was so good with the Capitals that I forget he played anywhere else. Um, Dale Hunter, you did not get. We were looking for the Quebec Nordiques. Um, Charlie Coyle, you did not get. We were looking for the San Jose Sharks. Uh, you got Yuskevich. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. You, uh, you got Yuskevich. You got Backland and you got Shattenkirk. Joel Farabee was drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers with the pick that was acquired from the Blues. I thought it was the Blues too, uh, which is why I left it in there because I would have also said the Blues. Uh, and Miroslav Shatan never would have gotten this in a million fucking years. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers. You know what? It's funny. I have a Shatan rookie card with the Oilers. I, I didn't so. even realize he had played a game yeah. there. Uh, fun fact, your next player was going to be Eric Weinrich. Again, can you tell me? We tried uh, this last old, time. <laughs> old yellow visor. Um, you got it wrong last time. We're gonna see if you can get it again. This get it right this time. I I, I think I said Montreal last. You time. You definitely said Montreal, and it was not Montreal. Uh, New Jersey Devils. Yeah, it is New Jersey Devils. I I yeah. I wanted to see if you could uh, pull that out of your out of your deep brain. Did he play for Montreal? Because you keep you always say Montreal when I ask you Eric Weinrich shit. I didn't even realize he played there. <laughs> You know what? I'm going to look it up because I don't yeah. actually know. I don't know. He, like, he played a lot of fucking games in the NHL. It's really possible he played for the for the Canadians. He but... played 203 games for the Montreal Canadiens. Okay, cool. Good for him. Yeah. There you go. Okay. What else we got? What else we got? We got a lot. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, General General Manager Bob Murray uh, making some comments about the guy that replaced him. Dallas Eakins. <laughs> uh, replaced him behind the bench, I should say. Um, Remember when Bob Murray was a coach? Ooh, not great. This is interesting. Uh, more or less came out and said that he, he left Dallas Eakins out to dry, uh, should have done more to, you know, be you know, get involved and, 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 and make 
uh, Eakin's job a little bit more accountable and, and yada 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 and more prepared. Um, I, an interesting comment, I thought. Like, I don't really mm-hmm. love Bob Murray as a guy. Well, like, I, I don't. It's it's worth noting that his recent comments were in response to his initial comments, which I have right here, that were word for word. Uh, I th- I think everybody talking about the young guys and this and that, it just let players just at times say, oh, well, it's just a rebuilding year and it doesn't matter. Up and down the lineup, some of the kids were allowed to get away with murder this year and that's over. They're going to be held accountable. Accountability in this group is going to change. And I've said that a couple of times, but I'm hell-bent on that going forward and the coaches are going to hear that loud and clear, which I think is super interesting because there was the initial conversation of when Dallas Eakins got fired in Edmonton about it being because he was too lenient or sorry because um because he was too strict uh they hired Dallas Eakins to be a player's coach but he needed to come in and change the culture in Edmonton and there are a lot of reports that he came in and tried to be the drill sergeant which is not his strength he he, he's more of a player's coach and now Bob Murray's kind of going the other way and he says he hired him and now you know, told Dallas Eakins to be himself, and the Dallas Eakins was himself, and they were fucking screwing around this year, and and he didn't like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, which I think is kind of interesting, just because, um, you know, the the team was was not really doing all that well at any point this year, but you know, I don't really think that that's a reflection more or less on the lineup. Like John Gibson had a shitty second half of the year because the team in front of him is horrible. Like, it's a horrible hockey team. They're rebuilding. Like it's fine. It's okay to yeah. be. Re- it's okay to be bad when you're rebuilding. Like I don't understand this notion of like, well, we 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 didn't do what we expected to do this year. Like really, you guys finished higher in the standings than I thought you fucking would, and you guys were like 29th or something. Like, you know, good for you. You should be happy about that. I I guess there's a difference though between, you know, meeting your expectations on the ice as opposed to maybe meeting the expectations of how you want the team to move forward. Sure. In the future. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I don't think anyone's sitting here thinking that, like, oh, Ryan Getzlav really's got to, you know, get it get it together because, you know, we, we got to yeah. win this year. I got fucking news well, no. for you with like, Ryan Getzlav. Yeah, it's not going to happen not, this year, not, Ryan. He's I'm not sorry. aging backwards. No. Um, aging better than his uh, old running mate, uh, Mr. Perry. Mm. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was interesting. I, I didn't read too much into Bob Murray's comments. I. I like Dallas Eakins. I, I know there's not much of a running resume to, no. to take and, and, and point no. to and say that. <laughs> by all accounts, coach, he, but... by all accounts, outside looking in, he looks like a terrible coach actually, but yeah. um, I, I like him. I think he's got a lot of interesting things to say and um, he, he may be a guy who in the long run could be better suited to be an assistant coach, but he definitely has a lot to offer in, in terms of coaching at an NHL level. Like, you know, he, he is the smart, type of coach. Guy. Uh, that coaches the way that the game is moving, you know, so you need those guys that are loose in the room and are about having fun, and we're going to need them moving forward, so um, he's a at least a perfect assistant coach if he's not a good if he's not a good head coach, but I still think he is. I don't think he's had the opportunity to um, really coach a good roster. You know, you know, I mean, this guy's not in the game anymore for other uh, reasons, again, going back to what we talked about at the beginning of the episode, uh, you know, Dallas Eakins could go down as like a Ted Nolan type, where it's like, if he had been given a better roster to ever work with, uh, you know, then, like, I think Ted Nolan was a, a fucking amazing coach, and I still think he is a very good coach, and I still think he should be coaching in the league, but people didn't like him being outspoken about, you know, 
uh, being treated unfairly, you know, because of the color of his skin, and uh, is not in the game anymore, like, really. So, like, where, like, where is he? We talk about all these guys that get a million fucking chances in the league, and Ted Nolan's nowhere to be fucking found. Like, you know, that, that, he go that coach tells like something. Croatia or something at the Olympics. He coached Latvia in the game where they almost Latvia. beat Canada. Yeah. <laughs> he was the coach for the 56 fucking save Christer's Good Love Kiss game because all the, all the Latvian team did was form a circle. They formed a circle in their own room or in their own zone and didn't move. And therefore Canada couldn't get inside. So all their shots were from the fucking outside. And Ted Nolan's like, well, yeah, this is the only way we're going to fucking win. Have you seen our team? Have you seen their team? Is Shea Weber playing, like, four minutes tonight? Like, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I like, yeah, I I like Ted Nolan and Dallas, and Dallas Eakins. I like them both. I don't know where that guy is these days, but... Uh, on the NHL, I can tell you that. No, for sure. Uh, the Professional Hockey Writers Association released the list of uh, the Masterson uh, nominees, which consist of... Uh, 29 guys, and then the two that might win it. So that's that's great. That's that's good for those other 29 guys to get their their names on the nomination list, I guess. But um, is it in your mind? Is is it a two horse race? Is it locked up? Uh, where do you come down on that one? Who, I guess there's three. Sorry, guys who are I, who are I, I your two say. horses again? Uh, Corey Crawford and Bobby Ryan. Okay. Um. Well, uh, maybe maybe not because I I don't. Uh, I don't think Corey Crawford would be on my ballot of three, but um, he's definitely close. Like, I, I for sure, my first place vote would be for Bobby Ryan. Um, not trying to take anything away from any of these other guys, but it's not particularly close for me on a second guy. Um, probably second for me... I don't know, probably... I mean, like, here's the thing, is, like, Stephen Johns... But Stephen Johns kind of dealt with some of the same issues that Corey Crawford did. It's just like, um, I don't know, like, like Crawford, I don't really know if he made any, like, if anything happened since his last nomination. Like, he just got nominated a year ago, and, like, I, I don't know if this year was any harder than the previous year See, or anything. Like, I, I don't, uh, yeah. I don't really think that, he, that anything happened in this year to speak to his struggles from the past. Um, but... I'm not upset if he gets nominated, I, but I definitely think, like, Stephen Johns was a guy who, um, there was a real big doubt that he was going to play this year, that he was going to, you know what I mean, get back to where he was, and, uh, he did it, and my other nominee, because of the exact same reason, probably Shea Weber, uh, Nathan Gerby pretty high on the list to me, though, too, uh, but, but Crawford, Crawford's there, like, Crawford, I'm not saying Crawford's, like, bottom of my list or anything like that but yeah see see Crawford for me is like you're right he was nominated last year but his nomination last year is almost kind of like the Jay Bowmeister nomination this year where it's like yeah Jay Bowmeister like by all accounts but like he might not play hockey exactly and last year we were all in that situation where like Corey Crawford probably shouldn't have played hockey ever again and then then he did and like that's that's where my nomination kind of comes from from him even coming back yeah. Um, so, but I, I agree with you. I, I think, think it's, it's. I think it's. I think it's Bobby a year uh, to, to lose. It's not that the Masterton is ever really a boring award for nominees for me. It's it's for sure my favorite award of all of them. Um, like of anything. Like I'd rather I'd rather have this conversation than than uh, like the heart 
because like I think so many other conversations just get stupid. Whereas this is like there's no bad choice. This is literally just like you know for the most part like a bunch of good guys that uh, that you know what I mean had some difficulties and now they're still playing in the league for the most part. So like I love this award. I think it's I think it's phenomenal. Um, it w- it would be something I would love to win. I think it's I think it's great. Um, the disrespect for David Ayers in this category yeah, by the Carolina yeah, Hurricanes well, is just unforgivable. Yeah, especially uh, considering that they uh, uh, nominated a different goalie. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the Leafs could have nominated David Ayers too. Yeah, I, I think like even like Robbie Fabry's another good one too. Like it's still kind of surprising <laughs> Robbie Fabry's like Fuck. in the league. You know, like leave um, it to the Detroit Red Wings to to nominate a guy that didn't even play a full season for them too. Eh? Yeah, well, I mean, but that's a thing. Like, they traded for him, and I'm like, eh, this guy might never actually play. Yeah. But And then played, like, the next night, which I thought was meant to. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of good nominees this year. I think there's a lot of really good choices. Like, again, like, Oscar Lindblom and, and Bomeister would be the two that I would they would automatically be at the top of my list. The problem is that perseverance, dedication to hockey. Like, obviously they're going through a difficult time right now, but what they're going through doesn't necessarily speak to their dedication to hockey quite yet. Right? Not yet. It, it's no, it's def- it's definitely. if they choose to come back. And if they don't choose to come back, that is that that's not like it's the wrong fucking decision. It's just like this award is about dedication to hockey. And Jay Bomeister literally said, I'm not thinking about hockey right now. So how the fuck can you mm-hmm. give him a award for like you know what I mean? Like just clearly he had a horrible set of circumstances this year. But it just that doesn't that's not really what the award's about. It's not like who had the worst year. It's who persevered and went through difficult times to get back to somewhat where they were. Bobby Ryan to me, hands down top of the fucking list. Uh, because that guy could have gone through I'm not saying he didn't, but like could have gone through a lot worse shit than he did, uh and not come back kind of thing. And the fact that he was able to actually come back, get the hat trick, like it's just that was crazy to me. So, yeah, it's Bobby Ryan for me, and then probably a dead heat for Steven Johns and Shea Weber, I would say. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Um, what's next? What we got? Oh, yes, we've got uh, a little pop culture for uh, for everyone listening. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we went That's out, it we for hockey, pretty new... much. Yeah, I think so. That's oh, enough. yeah, I guess it is. Um, we we went out. We both watched the new uh, the new fun fun time Netflix series Space Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only How much fun was that. Not only did I watch it, I watched it twice. Um, yeah, twice the, is nice. the first time maybe a little underwhelming, but I went in with such high expectations that I still really enjoyed it. Just because um, I I love like the funny thing was that show could have been like way much worse than it was, and I still probably would have enjoyed it because. I love every single, like, cast member that they chose. Like, I love everybody in it. Um, I love Greg Daniels. I think he's a fucking comedic genius. He's really had some rough spots. But overall, like, his highs are really high. And so I think he's great. Um, I have long been making fun of Space Force on Twitter to uh, what has fallen on deaf deaf ears because I don't think I've ever gotten a single like on any Space Force tweet, uh, like related to the actual Donald Trump shit, not related to the show. Uh, And the fact that they made a show about it was just like perfect for me because when Donald Trump talked about Space Force, I laughed and laughed and laughed into the night. Uh, Probably laughed myself to sleep the first time he ever mentioned it because I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard of in my life. So the fact that they made a show about it, I think, is just fantastic. And uh, second time around, it's actually pretty funny. 
it's just one of those shows I think it's hard to take because it's almost done in a style of a drama and so it's almost like at times kind of hard to tell when a scene's coming up if, if there's going to be a joke or if this is going to be a, like a, a tougher scene because there are like a, a few like sort of heavier moments in the series but um, yeah I think it's awesome I, I think I think it has tons of potential um, I went back and watched it the second time and there was by, like a, a ton more shit that was funny to me than the first time and uh, for the people who hated it the first time they watched it have you ever watched a Greg Daniels show before? Because The Office, first time I watched it, really underwhelming. The first time I watched Parks and Rec, hated it. Love both those shows now. But for the most part, anyway. Fucking Office sucks the last, like, four seasons. But Yeah, no, uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was really funny. As someone that is kind of the opposite, like, I, I can't stand The Office. You do you do kind of like it... Parks and Rec, I think, right? Or you've just I've never, never really it. sat down and given it a good go. I've seen a couple episodes, just kind of I, other people are watching it. And... So I said to you this week that I think uh, Space Force reminds me more of Parks and Rec than it does The Office, and I and I would I would say that for a couple reasons. The reason being is The Office season one definitely knew what it was trying to do. It was just you know what I mean, trying to uh, find some traction under the wheels. The first season of Parks and Rec, you could tell they actually didn't really know what they wanted to do with the show, and it took a couple episodes to really line things up the way they wanted. Uh, same with Space Force. And what I would also say is the type of humor uh, in The Office is more so, like, all the characters are individually funny for their own reason, but the show's joke is just sort of one plot. is the fact that their boss is a jackass. And they all kind of have to deal with him, and they all have different relationships with Michael, and everything centers around him. Parks and Rec is very much a series with just ridiculous characters all over that are funny for their own reason, and the show has more room to move because of that because it doesn't need to. It doesn't need the plot to always be funny because the characters can kind of carry the load. Whereas with The Office, if the plot wasn't funny, the characters were not really good enough to carry the load, right? So mm -hmm. that's why Space Force kind of reminds me more of Parks and Rec, is I think all of the characters are funny for their own reason, not because the show's general humor. Of course the show's ridiculous because of the Space Force part of it, but I think it's funny because I think all the characters, for the most part anyway, most of them, are, are really funny. Oh, I'd agree. Um, yeah, like I said, I had a really good time with it. Um, the... Um the the fucking the fucking monkey like I still the monkey can't the, monkey the monkey is brilliant man laugh yeah like, Marcus poor Marcus <laughs> if 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 you're at home and you and you've maybe you've tried it or you you want to try it do yourself the favor at least for me uh, get to the third episode yeah watch the monkey because that's that's when I really like okay here we I go this is it's got me I think the third episode is probably my favorite episode. Um, not only because of Marcus the the chimp, but also because of the Jane Lynch line, if you ever acknowledge my gender again, I will fuck you in the ass, uh, which is yeah. for sure uh, probably one of my favorite quotes from season one so far. I would also say in the running is John Malkovich uh, walking in the hallway with Steve Carell and saying, how come you're in such a good mood? Did one of your favorite sports teams succeed in their goals? Because he's just <laughs> so... Like, such a different person from fucking Mark Naird that they almost can't even have a conversation together. 
that I think that's my, like one of my favorite things is the relationship between Steve Carell and John Malkovich's, Malkovich's character, yeah. just because yeah. they are so incredibly opposite. Like Steve Carell's character is very clearly like a like probably like a Republican sort of traditionalist sort of guy, and you know Dr. Mallory's this homosexual like thinks this whole thing's ridiculous, but is just kind of doing it because he's good at it sort of thing and they offered him a bunch of money to do it and um i think it's great like i think it's i think the dynamic of the show there's so many things to like about it ben schwartz is just like a super underrated comedic actor to be honest with you uh one of my favorite parts of parks and rec is his character john ralphio and he essentially plays john ralphio in space force because this guy again is just this this just piece of shit sort of assistant kind of thing um again Another great joke is I I think it's the third episode again because no it's 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 the eighth episode and they're doing the press conference before they send everybody into space and every single question he's just like oh fucking what a great answer to a horrible question thanks a lot eh clapping he's like sit the fuck down like yelling at these reporters for literally just doing their job he's like oh what another horrible fucking question brutal like it's great. He he's great. The show's great. I love it. I think it's awesome. That was really good. Take me down to the Kokomo anytime for Ooh, sure, Steve. Fuck, Carell. that was really good. Kokomo. Yeah. I I underrated hilarious yeah. song, yeah. and we yeah. should also mention it because I don't think we ever mentioned it uh, when it happened. But Fred Willard passed away a few weeks ago. Um, who is one of my favorite comedic actors ever, and um, he is just phenomenal in this series for. Uh, I think he's maybe only in three episodes. He might have been in more briefly, but... Actually, he is probably the funniest side character they have, which is unfortunate because he passed away, but um, just the fact of... You know, the fact that his wife is supposed to be the one who is just, like, completely dependent on him, and he has no idea what's going on. Like, he he's wiring money to Guatemala... So, so that way, like, his granddaughter, like, isn't held hostage. And meanwhile, she's like, I, was, I haven't been to Guatemala. Like, what are you talking about? you got to stop wiring money to these people on the internet, Grandpa. And he's like, well, I had to. I had no choice. Hey, we're going to chop you up and or whatever. Like, he, you know, it's just, it's so good. God bless yeah, Fred big, Willard. Uh, big fan. Give it a go, Fred Willard. At least see him uh, see him off in his career if if, if you're thinking yeah, of giving him if you're, show a, a go. I and... guess yeah. One thing I would mention, like if you're not familiar with Fred Willard and you kind of want to check out some of his stuff, uh, we've talked about it a million times on the podcast, and we will continue to mention it as much as possible. Uh, he's in Spinal Tap, albeit briefly. He's in Spinal Tap. Um, he is uh, probably the his biggest role uh, in modern comedy that people would know him from. Is he does play Ed Harkin in the Anchorman movies. Um, also is Pierce's, um, replacement on Community for one episode, which I think was also a really good gag on what was probably their worst episode of the series. Uh, he's the funniest part. Um, see now, funny you say that cause I, I went back and watched that episode. I didn't realize that Chevy Chase was still in the episode. Yeah. So that, th- like, <laughs> that's partly why he, that was when he really first started to get rattled apparently that they were trying to write him out is cause it was like. Literally, like, debut of an episode. And, it, like, obviously it was a joke to not include him. That was part of, like, the shtick of his character. But he took it personally and was like, you're just you're just trying to write me out of the show at this point. And apparently that was the episode that started the whole, mm. like, really 
him getting ready to quit, and then he filmed for a couple more weeks, and then he quit mid-season, right? So, hmm. oh, there you go, the beginning of the end, so to speak. Yeah, we're gonna uh, get around to that end. community episode too, by the way. But yeah, <laughs> speaking of the end, we're gonna end off our episode with the uh, overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the topic this week is the bare naked ladies uh, songs. Br- uh, Brutes, where, where'd you where'd you get this topic from? Um, you know what? I just kind of picked it at random. I, I <laughs> we were gonna do a uh, a favorite, least favorite, uh, overrated, underrated this week, and um, I I I've just been listening to the bare naked ladies a lot recently, and I kind of thought that they are sort of a universally appreciated band. I think. I don't know i could be wrong on that but i i think most people i know really like the bare naked ladies so um yeah i thought i thought it was a fun and, one and you don't as far as i know i never used understand to it i never, never used, used to, to. no i i I, I got into them um before we saw them anyway like probably like four or five years ago i really started to appreciate them when we saw them uh just listened to a lot of their shit before we saw them that week and um i'm not gonna sit here and say that they were really good but i really enjoyed them um as I've said on the podcast before, perhaps because I was under the influence of some stuff, but uh, yeah, no, I really enjoyed them. I thought I thought it was good. Uh, so I've been listening to them a lot more lately too. I think they're a great band. The problem is just they got a lot of gimmicky stuff because they are a well-humored group of guys. I don't really get into some of their get more gimmicky, hokey sort of songs, um, yeah, yeah. but I I can appreciate their existence. They're just not for me. They honestly, an episode. they honestly might be eventually too. Like I might grow into liking like testing one, two, three, and shit like that. I, 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 I've always found one week to be sort of like a, an annoying sort of song. Uh, I've even sort of started listening to that a little bit more now. Like I don't, I don't mind it as much as I used to. I remember an interview that they they gave. Well, I don't know when they were still together. Like when the main five of them were still together, mm-hmm. and they were talking about their their first big break you know the first record deal that they got and then it was like like you guys are kind of known for these these kind of funny wonky songs you guys sing and and they're like yeah it was weird like this guy showed up one day and he's like i love the band and you guys sound great and i'm going to give you a whole bunch of money to write songs about monkeys and we were like okay we'll write songs about monkeys then because why not Mm -hmm. you're gonna pay us so i always enjoy that you know like the idea that these were just some fun loving guys they're just yeah kind of getting together playing music they didn't really give a shit about like what it was they were talking about and then they kind of grew into you know different people as the band progressed you can really see that in their writing and i, I like that a lot, a lot about them mm-hmm. um okay so i'll let you kick things off what's what's your favorite bare naked lady song see it's tough because um with see with doing that like that's the only problem with the favorite uh, least favorite overrated underrated is do I want to save a song to be my underrated or um yeah I'm I probably have two favorites but because this one doesn't really qualify as an underrated because it's uh it is one of their hits um I'll probably declare it my favorite which is falling for the first time um kind of the for it's kind of the only bare naked lady song I used to like it's the only song that I've liked always. Um, there definitely were some songs, like you said, I didn't like them before, and uh, there were a lot of their songs I just never really got that familiar uh, with. Um, but Falling for the First Time, for sure, has been a song that's always sort of been on my uh, my radar. So I-, I would say that is my favorite. Hmm. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite would be Too Little Too Late 
mm. off of the Maroon album. Same album. There you go. Mm-hmm. Same album. Falling for the first time. Um, always kind of a very interesting message that I got out of that that chorus. That I that idea of you know you finally get there. It's too little, too late. I don't see that a lot in other writings. That that kind of sensation that I think a lot of us feel and uh, I like it. It, uh, it it inspires my drive so to speak hmm okay there you go cool uh, your least favorite sir uh, well <laughs> my least favorite is testing one two three I, I it's just a I mean like I, I definitely hate the theme to the big bang theory but I all that's more so because I hate the show um, I don't think I've ever listened to the song itself but I just obviously, I just I hate the show. It's actually on my TV right now. I'm staring at the show. I hate. Um, yeah, testing one two three though. I just I never really got it. Like you said, I understand why they wrote it, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but I, yeah, I don't. I don't particularly love it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I don't really ever consider the Big Bang theme song a song yeah i kind of hate it when people that's are why like, i don't pick oh, it it's it's for sure those guys that sang the song about the big bang theory it's like no they're the kind of did got uh don't categorize them like that um my least favorite is mm, probably probably get in line um as far as the hits go anyway mm-hmm. like they've got some other songs that i could name that people just wouldn't know sure um, get in line is probably my least favorite of their hits. And yeah, just very uninspiring. Just, I, I think they were kind of coming off of the, the goofy era of the band and they hadn't quite gotten to that, you know, too little, too late falling for the first time era of the band. And it just, it was the one single that kind of got caught in the middle that didn't really, I didn't know what to think sure. of it. it. Didn't really fall into either category. So that's very fair. I don't love it. It's fine, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, where are we? Oh, overrated? Underrated. Overrated that, goes first. Yeah. I always say it. I say it wrong. Sometimes uh, it is favorite, least favorite, overrated, underrated. Okay. So you're, you're overrated. Naked ladies. Uh, my overrated is if I had a million dollars. To be honest with you, I don't. I don't. I don't. It's popular, so it creates a really good moment at um, their concerts because it's something that we can all kind of sing along to. The spirit of the song is cool, but it to me kind of was the start of their really gimmicky sort of shit. I think because um, I I find that song is really gimmicky. Uh, again. It's more so now that I know more about the guys that I can appreciate the fact that they're, again, they just like to have a good time. This was the first sort of song that was sentimental, but still also, like, had some fun. And I can appreciate that. I just, I don't think it's a good song. I don't think the tune's that catchy. I don't really think the lyrics are that interesting. It's uh, it's overrated. It's not a horrible song. But it's definitely not, um, like, a lot of people would put it in their top five for sure, and it's it's not one of their five best songs for sure. I, I don't even I don't know even if it's know top if it's twenty, like, really, for me. Yeah, I, I don't even I don't know if I can say it's not one of their best songs. I just I genuinely think that they have a lot of other good songs. I like 
If I had a hundred, uh, if I had a million dollars, if I had a hundred dollars, would be a horrible song. If I, if, if I had a hundred dollars, <laughs> I mean, take a take a um, bus trip. That's about it. Pretty much. Uh, I like the song. I just it's, it's fine. If they're gonna put a bare naked lady song on the radio, that's the song they put on the radio. Yep. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just it's everywhere. It's and that's done. like I've, that's the thing. I initially it's... had one week as my overrated, but like I thought about it, I'm like, no, I understand why people like that song. Like I, I get it. Mm-hmm. It's just it's not. It's not my type of a song, but that is one sure. where it's like, oh man, how could you say it's a bad song? No, it, it is like, it is a catchy, I get it. Like, I get it. It's just not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They got a uh, lot of so shit. I agree with... They got a lot of shit though. That's like really good folky sort of music and, and you know what I mean? Like Brian Wilson and like the old apartment and shit like that. I think oh, like, yeah. like they got a lot of really good songs that aren't as recognized as some of, uh, like a lot of really good slower songs that aren't as recognized as, as if I had a million dollars. I think it is unfairly the song rated. It's the unfair. Yeah. It's almost like it's overrated. (laughs) It's like, they got a lot of songs like that. Like, why can't we just listen to those? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so there, yeah. Clean sweep on the overrated. Uh, Oh, you you chose that too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I like the song. I just, it's way too high up in the aura of who this band is. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, my, my underrated, uh, we actually listened to it today. I would say my underrated is Odds Are. I think Odds Are is actually, like... Good song. It's, it's for sure, I would say, uh, one of the best five songs they've ever done. Um, the only reason it doesn't, to me, uh, the only reason it's not, like, their best song to me is just because it's without Stephen Page, and that's... I was gonna say it's not their fault, but it it is their fault, I guess. But <laughs> um, yeah, no, the the fact that like the bare naked ladies were not relevant anymore, and they just came out with this song that is just uh, for all the reasons we liked the bare naked ladies, they came out with a song that encompassed all of them. It was sort of sentimental. It was sort of catchy though, like still upbeat. Um, still had some kind of goofy lyrics with it, but like lyrically is a good song. Um, it's super catchy. I th- I think it's just incredible. And uh, um, honestly, if you were to ask me what their best song is, like it's for sure it's up there. I, I think it's great. Oh, that's fair. It's a really good song. Um, Stephen Page is definitely a guy I miss in the band. It's, He's a cool it's guy. It's hard to it's hard to look at them the same way without him, but I, I like the song. It's, it's definitely, I think their best work since he left. I don't know if this is the case for you, but like, not that I put myself in all these bands breaking up. Like, I, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but like, this is one of the only bands breaking up where it was by all accounts, fairly bitter, where I didn't pick a side. I'm like, no, nah, I like, I like everyone. I like the boys, but I like Steven page. Like, you know, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where I'm at with that. Can't, can't we all just get along? Yeah. Exactly. For, for Canada. Please, for the love of God. Hey, I know yeah. it's cool Stephen Page did all those craft dinner commercials. Can you guys maybe go with them? And then you will have a million dollars. <laughs> you won't have to sing about it anymore. Ooh. There you go. Uh, my underrated Call song is The Old Apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, very emotional song, I find. like mm-hmm. I, I think if anyone out there is, like, if you've had a childhood home that you've had to move away from or your first house that you moved into with a girlfriend and that you had to leave and uh the idea of going back is such such a concept to me that like it's one of those things like i never even thought of and then 
I heard the song again after you know I'd, I'd moved, and it was like, holy shit! Like, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be weird to go back to the old apartment mm-hmm. and check things and how it's changed and all this? And I absolutely love it. I think it's brilliant in there in in terms of writing. It's it's corny in in some of the things they talk about, but it's the concept itself and the way they pull it off. I think it's fantastic, and the music's not too bad to boot. So mm-hmm. there it is. Yeah, that's my underrated. Bare Naked Ladies song. I uh, I also like my my other underrated. I thought about, but I had to go with Odds Are because I was going to put Odds Are as my favorite, but it it seemed to be more of a fit for underrated. Uh, but also, You Run Away, I think, is a really underrated song that Ed Robertson wrote, literally like mm-hmm. basically about Stephen Page leaving the band and just about how um, obviously it had to happen, but they like no one really wanted it to happen, kind of thing. And it's a it's an incredibly emotional song. It's almost kind of tough to listen to if you're a fan of the band, but. Um, mm-hmm. It is a really good song. Did you watch their performance at the Junos a year ago when they got back? Yes, together? I did actually. Yes, that was that uh, was fun to watch. They not only Stephen Page, they brought in uh, another former member of the band, mm-hmm. and uh, all seemed to have a good time, which was nice. It was nice to see those guys kind of like not throw things at each other's heads for for a change. Yeah, man, so. the the boys just having a good time. Yeah, the the ladies, Jimmy, as it were, Jimmy Cregan and the guys. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, just about does oh, it yeah, for this week's episode of the Laced Up, not quite still quarantined podcast. Uh, I say that because I apparently am going back to work mm-hmm. uh, every day this week. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> so, for you. um, that's something I can do. You you have your North Side thing to talk about, and I'm just sitting here like, yeah, nope, still <sighs> didn't do anything. Yeah, with I mean, my I don't today, really have so. anything to fucking talk about on the North Side front. Yeah, like, uh-huh. You know, it's not really. It, it, that's a problem when you're writing about a team specifically. Is like again, there's not much to say until, um, as far as I'm concerned, until like they're actually like getting ready to play so doing something yeah so i mean there's there's not really much to report on that front but it is it is nice you're going back to work you're getting out of the house a little bit and um i am not but uh um you know i am i am going on a trip in a couple weeks and last time i said that um the last time i said i was going on a trip (laughs) we had a pandemic and then tiger king happened and then what else has happened? The murder hornets. Yeah. Um, uh, so worldwide panda or uh, worldwide protests. Uh, yeah, police brutality. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping for the best. Statues are being tossed into rivers. As, and as children are crying in the streets. And... As of right now, I am going on a trip, and I'm hoping nothing bad happens. Yeah, in I'm the sure world. it'll work out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of like when you go back in uh, back in time on all those movies, and they're always like, "But don't change too much because it'll change the future forever." Like it's almost like that. If I say I'm going on a trip too much, I'm kind of concerned that, you know, maybe this is the answer. Maybe you have to take the trip, and then like you'll get to Kenora, and it'll be like, no, "I don't hey, tell people where we... I'm going." Okay, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe maybe it's like you you gotta like take the trip and then you get to where you're going and then it's like oh hey by the way we got the vaccine it's like yay (laughs) i fixed things i I did i did the thing i went on the trip i solved the riddle um yeah uh that's that's it for us you can find us in all those places that brutes likes to tell you about each week um and um i guess 
I don't know. We'll be back soon. Probably won't be two weeks again. That was no, kind of, that was kind of weird. Probably not. Well, last yeah. week was just kind of tough. We were just uh, we were both a little busy, and um, there's obviously stuff to talk about now. Like there was plenty mm-hmm. of stuff we could have talked about today, but we didn't. But yeah, well, we'll be back hopefully uh, within a week's time, and um, perhaps an, another non-hockey episode or two coming at you in the next little bit while there's still some time to do it. Another thing is we haven't quite ironed out because normally from July to the, the end of August, we wouldn't do any episodes. And that seems like the cream of the crop for the, uh, hockey season episodes now. So yeah, this is actually our last episode for the next couple months. We're taking the summer yeah. off. And, I mean, uh, like I, I guess now would be the time to take off and then come back at the end of July, but whatever, we're just, we're going to go until there's a Stanley cup champion or something like that. Maybe. Yeah, I guess okay. that's it. Uh, we'll we'll talk to you guys later. Cool. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. Like Coco